At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I, I didn't know about reproductive justice. I didn't know that we were dying. I didn't know about the incredible mortality rates in this country, the rates, the incredibly high rates of C-section in this country. I didn't, I didn't know all of those things. And I just, I, I didn't know what had happened. And I didn't even know it was bad. I, I knew nothing. It was just survival. And, you know, when we left that hospital, we left in the middle of the night. Because I was like, we have to get out of here. They're never going to let us leave. And they're going to keep doing things to us. And we have to leave. So that was Tatiana Ali sharing her experience as a Black mother and how frightening it was. We get into all of that and more on this edition of Naked. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? 
That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with. In a world with vulnerable, considered weak, come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite. It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees. So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes. It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story specific. Life altering events to shape the person that you hear. We got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment connected with every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with. Thank you guys for uh, fast forwarding through the commercials and listening. Um, let me give you all some updates. Personally, um, I've been on a world tour. I told you I've been traveling. I have been living my best life that I deserve. And I am treating myself to that. But but it's back to work now. Summer's just about over. And I noticed as I was recording with today's guest, which is Tatiana Ali. A lot of us know her from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Beautiful lady. Beautiful young actress. Just just smart in every aspect and extremely aware of what's going on in the world. She dropped so many nuggets today, which we will appreciate and need. Now, I know many of you will be asking, did you ask her about the slap and, and Will Smith? I did not. We did touch on Will, but it's apropos that I happen to be talking to you all today and recording her episode and releasing her episode because Will Smith, after hiding for about three months after the Oscars, came out with some form of apology. Maybe it's been more than three months. Who knows? God, it's all a blur, right? Uh, he comes out with a form of an apology, if you will. And he is answering questions. And you may have seen this already on his IG that his fans and people in general just want to know, why didn't you apologize to Chris Rock in your acceptance speech just moments later after just before you had slapped him? Two, did Jada tell you which is crazy. Don't I, oh, don't even let me get into that. Did Jada tell you to do something? And he answers these questions to me very honestly. No, Jada didn't say anything. Y'all so cold-blooded. Stay blaming a black woman. Two, he didn't apologize to Chris because he said he was in a fog. And he is working currently on making sure that he heals himself, right? Works on healing. But more importantly, that he doesn't think of himself as a piece of because he those are his words, not mine, because he does. And he's it's he's having a hard time liking himself. Now, that is heavy. If anybody is listening to this podcast, has done anything with therapy, um, have, and maybe perhaps you are smart enough to stay away from people who don't like themselves. 
and I'm sharing something very personal, you know, I've been in a relationship with someone who didn't like themselves. And that's a horrible place to be because you take a lot of blame because they can't find out what it is about themselves. So what Will is saying that is that he had so much going on. His true trauma is making sure or his true trauma rather is letting people down which is why he doesn't like himself because he thinks he's consistently letting people down in his life that he loves. That sucks. I'm not advocating for him. I'm not saying what he did was right. What I'm saying is he is being very honest with the world and that sucks because if I had to stand in front of folks and tell y'all what was really going on in my heart, that would be hard to do. But we feel that now because he brought all that drama to us, right? Or even if you want to get back into the relationship of Will and Jada, they brought that to us, whether they wanted to or not. It all came to light. And with that being said, I believe when things come to light, it's for a reason. It's so that it can have no more power, so that these secrets can't hold on to these folks no more, myself included. So when it comes to light, it may feel awful, but it's really, truly a blessing. All right. So with that being said, our guest today, Tatiana Ali, you guys know her from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. See, that was the connection, which is why I was talking about Will. She is, has always been to me, uh, a role model of someone who started in the business really young. I mean, working with some heavyweights. Listen to her talk about the heavyweights that she did Broadway plays with. And she was really unaware of the room she was in. Her parents kept her real normal. They spanked her. She couldn't get up and move how she wanted to. They did all the things that you do to kids who are quote unquote famous or not famous rather um, because you're just a regular kid. And she said she was really grateful that her parents treated her as if she was just a regular kid. She went to Harvard. Um, she now um, works in a very, to me, her real work has been working with Black mothers advocating for their voices when they give birth. We've heard that Black women die at a disproportionate rate than other women, specifically white women, when it comes to childbirth. That is because their needs are special and their needs are different. And you cannot paint everyone with a broad stroke. And because there's been so much, or so little rather, research on Black women in pregnancy, because we're not centrally advocated for in this society, we see these women die. And Tatiana Ali, famous and all, even my girl Allison Felix, famous and all, Serena Williams, famous and all, all of these Black mothers talk about how when they were in the hospital, no one was listening to them. They were raising their hand and saying, this doesn't feel right. I think what you're doing is wrong. And the doctors and the nurses and everyone around them are ignoring them. And not only are they ignoring them, they're being nasty to them. So Tatiana Ali talks about this. And now that has been her work. We get into her lifestyle, obviously, her background. But I want you guys to pay special attention to what she talks about when she was in the hospital and she was fighting for her life and her child's life but she was being ignored and how her story is so common. It's not uncommon. It's common. And if you haven't given birth before, you're sitting in the hospital. And you're like, well, I guess this is what y'all doing, right? This is this is normal. She really thought what they did to her was normal. And it was not. I can't I can't get into the particulars because she's very powerful as she tells the story. But for me, that is the central theme. And it is about awareness. Pay very close attention to this for women who have had children, for women who are expecting to have children. Perhaps if you're pregnant right now and this is your first child, you realize that you may have been ignored and fight for your rights no matter what. That's the, that is the central theme here. Without further ado, let's welcome Tatiana Ali to Naked. I have been a fan forever. And I've watched you, like most people, grow up into this beautiful woman. And there is this fascination with who you are and what are you doing. So I believe, according to our research, you got in the business per se, or at least became known to us about 85. You were six years old. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, I think so. Between, I, I, started, I started working professionally when I was four. And so, yeah, that's about right. So I think it said Sesame, Sesame Street. So I think what was the first big role that you can remember you had? Was it Sesame Street? I did a lot of commercials in those days, Sesame Street. Um, and then shortly after that, I got to be on Broadway in uh, Fences. 
the Broadway production of Fences. I was the understudy for a while. And um, then I took over the part, Karima Miller, who preceded me, you know, we're just kids. So she got taller and grew up. She had done it at the Yale Repertory Theater and then did it on Broadway. Um, But yeah, I got to be even the understudy years. Like I was, you know, working with um, James Earl Jones and August Wilson and Lloyd Richards and Courtney B. Vance, Mary Alice. It's just the the cast was amazing. And then when I was on stage, Billy D. Williams, Lynn Thigpeg, Ray Arana, just an amazing, just, you know, that's, that's where I got my education. Um, kind of like an apprentice to the people I was working with. Imagine no one can, very few of you can, you're in a, you're in a class of your own being a child working with legends and whether you understood it or not, you knew there was some regality there. They were regal. They were special. They were set apart and you were in this place. How quick did you grow up? I have a 18 year old niece and I guarantee that at six years old, you had saw more than she'd ever know. I, in some ways, I grew up a lot. And in other ways, I remained very naive for a long time. Um, there's, you know, when you work that much as a kid, there, there are a lot of sort of regular kid interactions that I didn't quite, I was always kind of a late bloomer with that. Um, so, but, but in terms of, you know, it's, it's not just being around. I, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, um, I didn't know the history of these people necessarily. I was, I was too young to really understand their gravitas in that way. But what I did know is that they went on stage and made magic every night. And, you know, I, Raynell, the character I played shows up at the end of the show and I would sit through all the rehearsals and watch. And I would watch in one of the balconies with my mom. I would watch the whole show until, you know, the act break and then go back and get ready for my, for that last scene. And they just had the audience eating out of their the palm of their hands, you know, like the emotions of the theater would just sway back and forth, up and down. And it was, and the actors were completely in control of that. And um, that kind of magic, seeing what we had done in the rehearsals, how things had gone wrong and how there was experimentation and, and then seeing it, seeing what they did, that's what made them, you know, kind of larger than life and stars in my eyes because they were magic makers, you know? Um, And then once I got older, then I looked back and I was like, oh, (laughs) 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 it's probably a good thing that I didn't know that I wasn't, I didn't have an awareness of that. (laughs) Because you you probably couldn't have been able to do it. The naivete of not knowing who you were around definitely suited you in your career, but you, a lot of what you do, a lot of what we all do is emotional intelligence. And and that's what I was referring to. Your emotional mm-hmm. IQ had to be stupendous at such a very young age to, to be a, around those legends um, and to be able to interact. It, it's, I think it's something we take for granted, but mm-hmm. I ever, you know, I, I wonder how did that affect you or how do you see it affecting you for better or for worse as an adult? I don't, I don't, <laughs> like, like I said, therapy, no. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I can really pin it down and give you an intelligent answer. I know that, you know, I'm, I swim in my own stuff like everybody does. And, and oftentimes, um, you know, I, I had these wonderful experiences in my youth and um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, you have, I, to, you know, I'm just it. always fascinated by those. Yeah. My, you know, my, my parents, um, they are immigrants. I'm the first generation born here and they saw, I think in me, I had a gift, luck came into play and they went with it, but they weren't, I still very much like remained their daughter and the oldest of three girls. And, you know, I was, I was a child 
I, I, I was a precocious child and really curious, but you know, my parents are from the Caribbean. I was also had to be really respectful and, and learn. And so the, the, that responsibility part of it, the, I don't, it, it, I know this seems lame because I, I haven't lived, you know, another childhood, but they were still growing me up. Like they were, my parents didn't stop raising me. I wasn't like thrown into this environment. And and you had a very, it sounds like a normal home life, right? You felt like when you came home, you came home. Yeah. You weren't in control of your family. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and I, in even, you know, working with, with the people I worked with, was I interacting with them? Some, you know, I remember them teaching, you know, different people backstage teaching me how to play like chess and, and, and different games and stuff like that. But I wasn't really interacting with them the way they were interacting with each other. I was still a kid. And, you know, mm-hmm. I called Lloyd Richards, mm-hmm. Mr. Richards. And, you know, I, I, um, I was in school, you know, and, and my mom was always right there or my dad or one of my aunts. Mm-hmm. I was always, mm-hmm. um, That's interesting. yeah. That's interesting because even in the world that I that I that I'm very familiar with in sports, I watch when these kids are set apart at a very young age, they then become the adults in a lot of ways. Like when I worked in tennis, you know, kids who were 15 and 16 years old paid the bills. And so the roles reversed. There was no parenting. There was there's this partnership that was interesting to me. So it sounds like that's what your family still gave you. So then you get this yeah, big show. Like this there was this no huge. Yeah. They were like, you know, you don't get to. No, my, and my, and my family. Sit over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no. And I, we live the same way. Our life didn't change. Um, and God bless them. My parents um, were very um, conscientious with my money. And it was like, that's for college. And that saved over there. But this is this life here. So that part of it didn't mm-hmm. have any effect on our family life. You know? I love it. I love it. I love it. If it can be done, it can, you know, you can fun. see that it can be done. And by the, <laughs> say, say it again. I say it again. It could have been more fun. You said what? You know? yeah. It could have been more yeah. fun. <laughs> but, you know, but it does speak to who you are today, right? It speaks to oh. how you if you did some comparing, you know, and I'm not judging, but if you did, you'd be like, makes sense. Um, you get this huge role, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, mm-hmm. and I would think life would change. Tell me about when you knew you were America's darling, the most loved. You could date all the boys. They loved you. We all loved you. All the girls wanted to be you. What was that experience like? Girl, I didn't know that. <laughs> You were, are you kidding me? You didn't, you didn't realize that everybody wanted to take you to prom and dances and you were like, you had no concept? No, I went, I, I was tutored on set and like, you know, I, um, I, I definitely had friends, you know, outside of work, but, um, I didn't, I, I wasn't aware of that. And then, you know, sometimes that kind of sexualization that happens with girls. Like I didn't, I, I wasn't necessarily comfortable with it. So I didn't like mm. into that at all, you know, because it comes at you, especially, you know, once, once you kind of blossom into your teenagehood, it, it comes at you in the material, you know, in the very scripts and the episodes and the things that you're being offered and whatever. And it, it comes at you from a lot of different ways. And I don't think I was like, my antenna wasn't up for it. I think on purpose. I think I was like protecting myself from that. Um, but it's one of those things where I look back and I was like, man, I wish I had known. Because I, like I said, I would have had more fun. Like I would have, you know, listen, done listen, more. Like, <laughs> listen, listen, I listen. I wish somebody would have told me 10 years before. I would I would have had, I'm right there with you. I'm like, ugh. You mean to tell me this could have been my life? (laughs) But, you know, I think about that now, even, you know, like going on vacation. Am I going to, I need to wear this one piece. No, 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 I'm going to wear it. No, 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 I can't. And I have to think, I'm like, no, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Put it on. Yeah, get sexy. What was she thinking? Why did she lead into it? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm leaning all the way in now, my friend. Thank you for that advice. That is a TED Talk brought to you from Tatiana Ali, guys. Um, lean into the sexuality. So I, I have to ask, I have to ask you, what was it like working with the now, you know, as we know, superstar movie star Will Smith? At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes... I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Amazing. Amazing. We had mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. fun. I mean, yeah, well, people know now. I mean, we we, you know, we've shared that kind of camaraderie with everyone over the years, but um God, we, like we laughed till we cried every single day, almost every mm. single day on set. I mean, actual tears running down people's faces because we were just, we were playing, we were um, vibing off of one another. Um, Will has always had this kind of, he he has this kind of like larger than life kind of like superhero energy. And and mm-hmm. when he walks in the room, like he really makes people feel good and and he's always had that so it was it was fun and it people are drawn to him yeah 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 and and right you know rightfully so it was it was very freeing we ad-libbed all the time we did things that sitcoms and you know that you're not always able to do or allowed to do it was a really magical um six years do you think, and of course, I'm, I'm asking you to be a psychologist, that that was the, the, the most magical time of his career? I, I would have to think for even, even going on to be a movie star, you going on to live your life and do all the things that you have done, 
When you think about a show like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, it is Americana. It is a part of the culture. It would be a Jeopardy question. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And when you're in it, you don't know. Much like the Cosby show, much like all these shows that have really changed generations and generations that could have lived and, and still do in some cases in perpetuity. Do you look back and think, wow, that probably was the most magical time of his career? I don't know. I mean, I can't say that. I can say that um, it was magic. I mean, it was pure magic. Mm -hmm. There's something that, and even though you don't know the posterity of things, you know, how they're going to live on and that's nobody's business. Like who knows that? But you can feel when something's really special. And I think we all felt that there was something about from the cameramen to the boom operators mm-hmm. to our directors, there was just this, and the cast, this gelling that we were able to do. Um, it was not forced. It was just, it just happened, you know? The frequencies, the vibes, the energy, whatever, like it all kind of aligned in that moment. I remember thinking, watching that, that how happy it made me, how everyone felt so happy. We don't have TV like that anymore. Like if I, believe it or not, I talked to Jody Sweeten before the push down with the cops uh, during Roe versus Wade. And I was saying like Full House, you know, TGIF, tune in, the, the songs. I mean, where's our theme songs? You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. I'm aging myself, right? But where are they? And we don't have that. Like that to me is something that is missing Mm. dearly it it took mm. away our innocence your mm. thoughts i i think that's true i think we don't have that and i don't know you know um i don't know exactly why that is but there is something as a as um a trinidadian there's something about people coming together and singing songs and you know kind of like this sort of na- this sort of national or even international awareness of the same stories that unifies us, that kind of links us. We can, like you sang that song and that brought me to places, you know, of my childhood. Yeah. I thought of like jams and fields and everything. Yes. Um, the roller skates. Um, yes. I, I don't, pigtails. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that is. I don't know why it's, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but I, miss- I get it. I, I look, I've asked, I ask this question to people all the time. And I'm like, I do believe we're missing something. I really, truly yeah. do. Just from that generation, that era, it really brought a lot culturally, but even collectively as, as a whole, it was beautiful for us as a society. But, you know, also everyone feels that way. Like somebody right now is like, I remember Leave it to Beaver was when, you know, like, so I, I mean, I, I can, That's right. True. Someone's saying that right now about a show that we, I know, I mean, Leave it to Beaver way before our time, but um, you mentioned being Trinidadian. I don't, I'm very curious about this Caribbean. Talk to me about something I wouldn't know. Cause I'm not Caribbean. Like what is the, <laughs> and I only ask you cause I have very many people from the Caribbean in my life. Like mm-hmm. my makeup artist who's here now, she's standing at me like, say what you saying, what you about to say. <laughs> you hear the background? She's like, I dare you. What you about to say? Cause you're going to get it. And we're like, so clearly one of the things with Caribbean is you guys speak your mind. <laughs> you're not afraid to have opinions. <laughs> Got it. This is true. But, <laughs> but what else, what else is there that I would not know specifically being from Trinidad? What else is there that you would not know? Like, what is something uh, only your mother would do, or only your mom and dad do? That, and if you're only if from you're from Trinidad, you're like, oh yeah, no, you must be Trinidadian. Yeah, well, my mother's from is is from Panama, but her okay. but her family, you know, the lineage is is from the Caribbean to Panama to work on the canal, Barbados, um, okay. and Saint Vincent. And um, okay. what is some, I don't, you know I tell you. What's your what's your makeup artist name? Tony. She's in here in the corner. She's from Jamaica, right? Uh-huh. Okay. You tell me this, but I feel like a lot of us have like gardens. Gardens? That, yeah. You have gardens? Yeah, I was growing, growing basil. She's growing basil, but yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, in her garden. Yeah. So, do you have a garden? 
Yes. I grew up with I the garden. To- like we grow, like we grow a lot of our own food, even it, like, and oh. it doesn't matter if you're in the city, if you have an apartment, if you, whatever the situation is, like, it's just something I grew up with. And I know I have to pass on to my kids that like food comes from the ground, not just ground wow. food, but that food comes from the ground and I want them to be in it and to know it and to, you know, um, they're toddlers, so you can always eat it. But that's that's one I, that's kind of simple. But that is fascinating. That is actually very fascinating. Yeah, you're like okay. Uh, so what do you have in your garden right now? I have a pepper plant. I have chard. I have lots of herbs. I have my my baby's like sweet potatoes, and so they kind of sprouted because I didn't use them too soon to, to right away. So that's gone in the ground. But it's a beautiful plant. I don't know what I'm going to get out of it. Um, but yeah, that's something that. There are pictures of me as a kid with like giant zucchinis that came from our backyard. And like, that's really, you know, I don't know. I, I have to have plants in my house. I have, you know, mm-hmm. um, but Tony that's does too. Tony does too. Tony yeah. always got the plants in her house. She giving me plant advice every five seconds, where to go about yeah. my plants. I'm like, okay, Dr. Plant. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I get it. Small thing, but. Given where we are now and how people are moving towards, you know, sustaining ourselves and eating healthy. And that's something that, you know, it's amazing how much we actually do do. I'll be back in just a few moments with more from Tatiana Ali. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with at Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing. Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. 
Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Thank you for fast forwarding through commercials. At least I hope you did. <laughs> Sorry, sponsors. Uh, I joke, kind of. Uh, here is more with Tatiana Ali. You mentioned your kids and I am, um, again, stalking you on the the gram. And you were very, very vocal. I know, I know about black maternal health and taking care of black mothers. Um, and you shared a story that was that was pretty shocking to me because I'm under the impression if you're recognizable, they won't be so bold. But time and time again, I hear that. Serena Williams shared her story. My friend Allison Felix shared her story. These are mm-hmm. world-class athletes who mm-hmm. have access and means who mm-hmm. talked about how they had to demand their rights as they were giving birth. Mm-hmm. Tell us your story, if you don't mind. So I had a very, um, very, very healthy, very healthy pregnancy, like almost a boring pregnancy in that sense, you know. And I was seeing sort of a, a traditional OBGYN um, who wasn't in attendance at my actual birth, which happens a lot. That continuity okay. is often missing. And, um, but the, literally the moment we walked into the hospital, everything, all the health and all the well-being just went out the window. Yeah. And my birth plan, our birth plan was not followed. I was coerced and I, and you know, coercion, what does that mean? In this context, it often means it, when you're in the throes of labor being asked again and again and again and again and again and again, if you want you know, interventions that you don't need and that aren't in your birth plan. So for me, that was the epidural. I was asked a million times if I wanted to have an epidural until finally I relented. And, you know, because they make it sound like this is what you need and this is what. And uh, it it was just my my birth room became an absolute circus. Um, Mm. Actually, a woman in Texas recently sued for this. I didn't even think that, you know, I could do that. I was going through so much of my own stuff, but, um, they actually pushed him back inside me. He was crowned for many hours. And, uh, and we, why did they do that? That's a good question. There was a doctor who put his forearm on top of me and was, and stood up onto my bed and was like squeezing down on my stomach almost like I was a bottle of toothpaste. And we ended up, I ended up having an emergency C-section and my son ended up being in the NICU, a very perfectly healthy baby in, ended up being in the NICU for four days. And the, um, the head doctors at the, at the NICU, you know, um, said that his, his kind of, his complications were a result of the traumatic nature of his birth. So I went through a year or two, and so did my husband, of just being, I mean, if I, I remember when we got home, we were just, you know, the, tr- the, the trauma that we had experienced, we didn't even know what to do with it. I didn't, I didn't know at that time, I, I didn't know about reproductive justice. I didn't know that we were dying. I didn't know about the incredible mortality rates in this country, the rates that incredibly high rates of C-section in this country. I didn't, I didn't know all of those things. And I just, I thought I didn't even cry. I I thought I, I didn't know what had happened and I didn't even know it was bad. I, I knew nothing. It was just survival. And, you know, when we left that hospital, we left in the middle of the night. It was the middle of the night because I was like, we have to get out of here. They're never going to let us leave and they're going to keep doing things to us and we have to leave. And my husband, he's a professor and I don't know what that language, he's an English professor and he spoke, it was English, but all my words were four letters. And he said something that sounded like gobbledygook and somehow got us out of there. And it was over time 
you know, working with a nursing consultant who asked, well, what happened to that? And when I saw the look on her face, I realized, oh my God, this was really bad. It, 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 and, and even still a year or so later, or no, two, two and three years later, I was invited by Black Mamas Matter Alliance to talk about my nursing experience because I had been um, open about that on my Instagram. And while I was there, I was in a room of, you know, Black midwives and doulas and 300 or so um, really people at the forefront of this of this movement. And I realized I was I was actually I was a co- I was two months pregnant and mm. I was terrified. I didn't know what I was going to do because I didn't want to go to the hospital. I didn't want that again. And I realized I was in the room with the people who had the answers. And then that's when my education began. And that's when my healing began. And that's when I started to talk about it. And then I wrote, I wrote an op-ed that I um, gave to Essence and asked them to put out. Um, because, you know, what we don't know in this case can kill us. How Also, though, the answers are out there. Like there are people doing this work. There are ways, there are ways to receive respectful care. There are ways and there are people. And, and so it's changed my whole life. Like I went from being completely traumatized to really becoming radicalized and almost finding my tribe in this, in this movement. And I've always had a political social justice kind of bent to me. And this just, rip the the bars off the cage for me personally because it's really where so much of the isms collide you know when you Mm -hmm. think about oppression when you think about what it means to oppress a group of people and what what the methodology is in that what could you know birth how a child comes into this world Mm. the connection with the mother and the father wow. or the or the birthing person or I should say and the birth, you know birthing people it's been going on for a very long time i mean this is this mm-hmm. is these are these are mm-hmm. these are methods and ways of of treating us that have that are have existed during slavery and have kind of morphed and much like the criminal justice system they've kind of morphed and taken on different names and forms over time. But yeah, that's what this is. And, and, you know, they'll, they'll almost kill me and my baby. (laughs) And, and, and I just, I don't want anybody to experience what I experienced or at worst, you know, lose more mothers. Mm. Wow. Wow. Allison said the same thing. She thought she was going to die. Yeah. And I'm going to, and, and I'll say something about this that, that's, that's really important for people to understand. It's, it's indigenous women also have very similar, um, indigenous birthing people have very similar um, rates <clears throat> and experiences as well. When you are in your hospital, when you're in that gown, none of this, matters you you a black woman and you're just a black woman going through labor they don't i don't care who you are you're just another black woman who are you but who are you and to be honest and to be honest who should i be who do i need to be be? yeah you don't need to be anybody you're right i shouldn't need to be anybody to give fair treatment exactly exactly Mm -hmm. exactly Mm But but that's the way that's the way things are, and not in just in this country, but very much so in this country, where it's like, oh well, I can buy, well yeah, better treatment, you know, or I can buy my freedom, I can buy equality. Nah, nasa, that's a West Indian nasa. <laughs> no, you can't. It doesn't work. NASA. No, it doesn't. Not not at the not at the most important pivotal moments in our lives, junctures in our mm-hmm. lives. You know, when my teenage sons decide when they're teenagers and they want to hang out with their friends, it's not, that's not, you don't buy it. That's not those, you can't buy it then. 
You said this is where all the isms collide during childbirth for black women. All the isms collide there. And that is real. So you take this traumatizing, as you said, you go from traumatized to radicalized. But I think it's important to mention that you didn't want to say anything because you thought it was normal. And I feel like this is why we're just now becoming more aware of it because either we don't know because we don't know, or maybe we think because they have a title that calls them a doctor. Um, Usually it takes someone that is a leader in their own right to say this, to feel this, to be like, no, that that don't feel right. I know my Caribbeans feel me because, again, I said y'all have opinions. (laughs) So I think you would would say something. Um, I would say something. Serena would say something. Allison said she didn't say anything. She was like, this doesn't feel right. And she is someone who would say something. She's like, what's, something's off. So imagine being in the most vulnerable space in your entire life, giving birth, and you feel like something's wrong, but they're telling you everything is right. It makes you think you're crazy. You also have to, you know, I think about that and there were things leading up. There were, I had red flags in my care throughout my pregnancy, things I didn't like, things that were said that I was like, what? Or things that I'm saying that are not being taken seriously or being laughed off. I had those. Mm. But when I think about it, you know what? That's how I walk in this world. People are always doing shit that I don't like. Treating me a certain way, saying things this way, saying things that way. And what do I do? I do what I do and I move right through them. I'm like, okay, I put that where it needs to go and I'm moving on. But the thing is, is that, you know, in birth, it's something different. You really have to be precious. You cannot let those things go. You really have to be precious about your care. And and to be on, I mean, precious, that little feeling, that little thing, you know, especially in, in your motherhood journey, that is the thing that gets lit up like crazy because you're about, you need to take care of these children. So it's it's lit up and you need to listen. All those little things that we usually can slough off and let me get through my job. Let me finish this day. I'm going to get my promotion. I don't care about what these people are saying. I know how they feel. No, that that's not okay in this situation. We have to be precious with ourselves. You're talking about accountability. You're you're talking about accountability right now. We have to be, we have to be held accountable for our behavior too, right? We can't just ignore it. Well, Yes. I'm not putting blame on us, but I'm saying, yeah, like, pay attention to it. You know what I mean? Pay attention to it. Um, and, and also, but just try, you know, seek spaces that are safe. And I think, you know, a lot yeah. of us might still think that, oh, you know, I, I don't know if I trust a black doctor or trust a, a midwife or trust a black doctor. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how people. I, no, I you're know. right. You're right. You don't do. You're speaking real spit right now. That is true. We'd be on our, I don't know about this black doctor. But, but check, like you're saying, check all those things, be accountable to yourself. And, um, mm. but at the same time, we shouldn't have to be in a defensive posture. We should be able to get the care we deserve. Um, but really seek those, those safe spaces, those safe, uh, I, and I, I don't even get my reproductive care from anything, anyone outside of the sort of reproductive justice space, you know, that I, I just don't, and I don't want anybody touching me, but, but black women and black people. And that's just how I roll right now. I mean, that's, you know, I, I just, amen, amen, amen. But and and also not just anybody. You have to speak that language. I'll come. I come in and I say birthing people. Yeah. And uh, I uh-huh. say reproductive. And what is that? And if and I can see it in with a glint in your eyes. If that's annoying to you, goodbye. You know, I I you have to be up on what's happening. You just gave me a whole education right now. A true education. Like I think, and it's it's interesting to hear you talk about it because we don't talk about it enough. We do, but we don't. I'm hearing more and more because I'm aware, but I don't feel like it it has the attention that it deserves. You know what I found out when I started, when I wrote that op-ed and I started, you know, I was, I've been asked to speak in different spaces and stuff like that. I, I found out that I, there's a history of obstetric violence in my family. Aunts are telling me stories. My mom's telling me a story, tells and nobody thought to tell me their story. Hmm. But I don't, I don't think I'm the only one. I think that 
there's we have a culture of you know those are private things and they are private okay they are private but we are being hurt and so we need there needs to be a creation of of space where we can share our experiences and learn from each other's wisdom learn from our grandmothers our mothers our aunties the women that live next door to us we don't share this information and we all have it i i just found that so fast and i and my family is so close we talk about so much but that is something that everybody keeps to themselves it's crazy heavy and it explains mm-hmm. so much i was having this conversation with somebody about what we learn as kids and how does that affect us as adults and that is one mm-hmm. of the things like we keep secrets and secrets have mm-hmm. so much power so if we don't start taking the power away from the secret um we can't help ourselves mm-hmm. this is um a beautiful a, a beautiful way to in in other in in other words find another passion outside of acting um, because you are passionate and you are activated and radicalized. Are you um, working on any other projects as well outside of the realm of making sure we save our Black women, which is not a small task? (laughs) Yeah, I've been for the last uh, few years, I've been working on a film. It's in development right now with an amazing company, but uh, really kind of with the the film really is for us to give us the remedy to kind mm. of hash that out and um so i'm working on that and i'm writing a bit i've written a screenplay and i'm really enjoying writing and yeah and i guess that's and saving lives and being a mom and being a wife I mean, yeah, it doesn't like you busy. You've got a lot going on. You don't need to go down a list. That's that's a lot in itself. I got two boys, got a husband, writing a script, <laughs> working on it, saving black women. I guess that's it. Nothing else. Uh, I mean, I'll just pick up something else in the meantime. <laughs> we are crazy. We've done it. <laughs> no. no. We always, uh, yeah. what else can be done? Enough. We're done. <laughs> oh, no. Tatiana Ali, you are, you really are a, a treasure and it is, it is, it's beautiful and refreshing to, to, to see the woman you've become, but no, no surprise there. You are highly educated. Not that that means much, but anybody can get in Harvard, you know, it's not, it's not, didn't happen every day. Um, so no surprise on my end, but it is, it's surprising to, to see that you've been able to be so grounded in a world that sometimes doesn't allow us to do that. So I appreciate all that you're doing for the culture. I really do. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, oh, is this it? Oh, yeah. I'm having so much fun you're like, talking to you. You're like, let's do, you, well, then let me give you my phone number. We can do this over wine or uh, if you don't drink wine, you have water, I'm going to have my wine. We can do no, this all day. You're like, honey, therapy. Um, this is a wonderful show and a, and platform, and I really love what you're doing. I think it's really cool. So thank you for inviting me. Okay, you've been made aware. Now that you know, or at least now that you've been made aware, make sure you share that story with, with people you know. I know I have a lot of male listeners, right? Because you love the sports, but look out for your mothers and your sisters and your wives and your girlfriends and the people in your life that you care about that are women, Black women more specifically, getting ready to have birth or thinking about becoming a mother, always advocate for yourself. And then outside of that, I'll circle it back to our guy, Will Smith. Tatiana Ali is always going to be professional, which I appreciate. And I didn't think it was the right time to be like, what do you think about the slap? Because it had been so long ago and we hadn't heard from Will. And I also thought in my mind, I was like, I've heard people say he's you know, in Dubai rehabbing, meaning he's just trying to sit and think and be on his own and try to figure this out and surround himself with help. So I felt like it was best to let this man try to heal. Let this man try to heal. 
whatever that looks like for him. It's interesting because I was just asked, do you ever think people will accept Will? And I got to keep it a buck. I think there will be his core, his core folks that forgive him. Will he ever be viewed the same? No. What he was before the slap and after the slap will always be two different people. How that affects his legacy, only time will tell. Thank you all for listening to Naked. I'll see y'all next week. Bye. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.